the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Hope that you had a great weekend this past weekend. A little cooler out today, maybe, but uh, still warm and summery. I think that is good. I've been enjoying it. Hey, you know what? Uh, I want to talk about a controversy that's in the news today that is about race, and that always kind of gets people, um, you know, a little frustrated. But I think as as Christians, we've got to address these things uh, as they come up. And mostly what we want is to be truthful. Vice President Kamala Harris is in Florida, and she is critical over a new Florida curriculum um, about black history. Here's what she had to say. Adults know what slavery really involved. It involved rape. It involved torture. It involved taking a baby from their mother. So in the context of that, how is it that anyone could suggest that in the midst of these atrocities, that there was any benefit to being subjected to this level of dehumanization? In the midst of these atrocities, that there was some benefit. All right, so here's what is uh, being claimed, and uh, you know you can read all about this. I'll give you some uh, sites if you want to really know. There are there's one statement. Florida, Florida is a, is one of twelve states required to teach Black history. It's an important issue. I'm in favor of teaching Black history as long as it's history. And uh, AP courses and classes that are presented that include many events that have happened to black people in the history of the United States that are important. And they're historical events that have often not been included in a lot of uh, history. I didn't have most of it uh, as a kid. Obviously, there's slavery and there's Jim Crow and there's some of the big things. But there have been other events that have been important. And there have been black people who have been great writers and great professors and have done amazing things in the history of our country that should be studied. The controversy that happens is not really about whether or not black history should be expanded in our educational system. The controversy is around uh, critical theory, critical race theory, and how it intersects with uh, queer theory and other leftist movements that get inserted into different kinds of history. So it isn't this debate is not just about black history. We're seeing it in courses all throughout our school system. You know, for example, even in math, right? Uh, there's a lot of controversy about math where you're doing word problems in math, but the word problems are trying to indoctrinate you about transgenderism or something like that, you know? And, uh, you know, if 
if Bob is traveling 10 minutes to go have a gender reassignment surgery on a train and uh, Fred is also traveling on a train headed the opposite direction to get his uh, gender reassignment surgery. And you start to throw stuff like that in there to try to normalize. it. I'm not kidding about that, by the way. That <laughs> That is really something that's going on. What's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is that it is indoctrination over education. I'm a history major. That's my that's my deal. University of California, Riverside. I'm blessed with some great history professors uh, that I had over there. And uh, uh, it's always something that matters to me. And I think that this matters. But what happens is sometimes in history is you have back when I was in school or a little after the the deal was revisionist history. People who want to go back and sort of change actual facts or teach philosophies that nobody thought at the time but try to apply them. So, for example, there is a lot of debate today about the nuclear or the the atomic bomb that was dropped in Japan, and that's being rekindled because of the Oppenheimer movie, which I have not seen yet. I don't know anything about it much other than the basic story. But I've seen a lot of you know conversation about that, and that's a good conversation to have, but it's one where when you go back to 1945 and try to address it, Sometimes it's just different what people are experiencing and going through. It's hard to look back from 2023 and do that. Different subject, important important topic. Um, but one of the things that's going on in uh, Florida is a couple of months ago, uh, there was this, – this curriculum actually got released um, a couple of months ago. You could have read this a little while ago. And it's it's – what was interesting is that there were certain elements that the college board, this is a group of professors, including a lot of African-American professors who get together to write this curriculum. There are things that they removed, and the Governor DeSantis in Florida got credit or blame, depending on what you think about him, uh, which, interestingly enough, by the way, he actually has nothing to do with it, which is odd, I think. that. But if you really study it, the college board says, no, he doesn't have anything to do with it. We did it. Anyway, here's the controversy. The controversy is one line in the curriculum. And it says this, and this is only half the sentence. It says, slaves develop skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. And that one statement is why some people on the left are upset. It's why Kamala Harris went down to Florida to give a speech. And the thing is, is that it's not actually what it says. Like it says that line. Here's here's the thing, okay? The thing is, is that you want to never say, because this is important, you never want to say that slavery was somehow a benefit for black people, meaning that it just, it just wasn't. It is unequivocally wrong and immoral. And the skills that slaves might have developed because, you know, while they're slaves, they would have developed even if they weren't slaves. See what I'm saying? They would have developed those if there was no slavery. So it isn't slavery that caused them to develop the skills that were needed once slaves were freed in order to start their own businesses or start their own farms and do those kinds of things. You have to really recognize how important that is because there has been a history in our country of people taking slavery and trying to lessen it. And to say, well, you know what? Some slaveholders were were kind to their slaves and treated them right. Some even paid them. Well, that might be factually true, but the fact that they're still slaves is the problem. See, the fact that you can't make it okay. And there's been there's been some history of that and some history of things. So what's happening here, however, is to take that history that should be exposed as something that is wrongheaded and 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 often bigoted in how you look at it, and to try to make that a thing. Now, that's not what happens. 
One of the writers of this curriculum, William B. Allen, who's African-American, he was asked about it. This was his response. These standards that you know were put out, and like you said, that you know these were done in open sessions so the public could listen or watch along. What would you say to critics who say these standards have set education back? Well, I can't answer critics whom I haven't seen or heard. The only criticism I've encountered so far is a single one that was articulated by the vice president and which was an error. As I stated in my response to the vice president, it was categorically false. It was never said that slavery was beneficial to Africans. Do you get that? He says that right there. It's never saying that slavery was beneficial to Africans. And I want you to think that, think about that, because what is being charged out there is that this curriculum somehow erases slavery, somehow makes it sound different than it was. And there's a there's a historical reason for that, but that's not what this is. And he continues. It was never said that slavery was beneficial to Africans. What was said, and anyone who reads this will see this with clarity, it is the case that Africans proved resourceful, resilient, and adaptive, and were able to develop skills and aptitudes which served to their benefit, both while enslaved and after enslavement. See, it's different to say that people develop skills that they were able to use after slavery than it is to say that they develop skills because of slavery. Because the fact is that those people would have developed those skills outside of slavery, uh, maybe even with much better abilities, right? And certainly education and other things. But it's not being said. The curriculum, which he was a part of writing, and other African-Americans were a part of writing, doesn't say that. And the reason he's only hearing this from Kamala Harris is because it's being politicized. Now, if you ask me and you listen to our show a lot, uh, part of the reason it's being politicized is because I think that there is a belief that I partially share that the actual presidential race coming up is going to be Governor Ron, uh, Newsom versus Governor DeSantis and not Biden and Trump. And so there is a lot of attacking of Florida going on, not only because DeSantis is running. And if Trump doesn't get the Republican nomination right now, it looks like he's going to get that. But if he doesn't, it's a long way away. And, uh, you know, then it's probably DeSantis, although you never know, right, as those things go. But that's why he's under a lot of attack. And if Biden doesn't run, which I think he's not going to run, who's the candidate going to be? Well, it's either going to be Governor Newsom, who is running a presidential campaign now. You can uh, follow his website. It's all about him. It looks like a presidential campaign. It's a national campaign. He's raising money. What's it for? Well, it's only for a presidential run. That's it. Uh, he won't do it if Biden doesn't drop out, probably, but I think Biden will quit. Or it's going to be Kamala Harris. She is either going to be the candidate or she's going to be president. If Biden should have a health reason that he can't finish his term, she'll be president. That is, and that could be this term. And I think there are some people who wonder about that. Anyway, there's a there's a whole lot of politics behind this. And the thing is that matters here is that something is being leveraged to continue to divide us racially. And I think that is wrong. I think it's one of the reasons we're having so many difficulties in our country. And I feel like we as Christians have a reason to, you know, state what is wrong, but without taking sides and dividing on the other side. Because we have all kinds of divisions internally in the church related to race or related to politics or other things that should not be. Because one day when we are sitting together at the wedding supper of the Lamb, it's going to be every nation. It's going to be all of us together. 
And, uh, you know, we can debate whether there are good reasons for different kinds of uh, church and worship styles and histories and things. That's, that's one thing. But there's only one church, the church of Jesus Christ. There's only one body of Christ. And these things that are politically divisive can also divide us, and they have. And sometimes with good reason, sometimes we're just, you know, I think caught up in the politics of it. Sometimes the history of the church, particularly in time of slavery, the church was uh, divided sinfully, sinfully because clearly owning slaves is not something that a Christian should do. And to be fair, there's an awful lot of Christians in the abolitionist movement, even before the founding of our country, that are on that page. And there was a big war where hundreds of thousands of people died uh, to end that practice. A lot can be said there. So it's a serious subject. But in this subject here, the things that the vice president is saying is not true. It's not in that curriculum. William Allen and Francis Presley Rice, who were a part of writing the curriculum, responded uh, to the standards that are out there uh, and responded to the notion that these standards are depicting enslaved African-Americans as somehow personally benefiting from slavery. And that's not what they said. Here's what they said. By the way, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can join the conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. They said this, quote, the intent of this particular benchmark clarification is to show that some slaves developed highly specialized trades from which they benefit, they said, citing blacksmithing, shoemaking, and fishing as examples. Any attempt to reduce slaves to just victims of oppression fails to recognize their strength, courage, resiliency during a difficult time in American history. That's one of the things, by the way, in the black history curriculums that are coming about that's important. It's important to show the truth of slavery, the truth of racism, the truth of things that have been systemic, Okay, you don't need critical race theory to understand that slavery was systemically racist. And you don't need critical race theory to understand that uh, Jim Crow was systemically racist. If you ask me today, if you want to talk about systemic racism, let's talk about the education system. I don't need some critical theory to tell me that there is discrimination that happens either by race or socioeconomic status in our school systems. For sure, that's a problem that has to get addressed today, and for sure it's systemic. If you want an example of that, why is it that our schools are paid for by property taxes of the surrounding properties of that school? Well, by doing so, you ensure that richer neighborhoods where the properties cost more, those schools will have more money. And in neighborhoods where the properties cost less or where there's a lot of apartments and stuff, those schools will have less money. Why is that the system? And then you should ask who put that system in place and why are they keeping it there in place? And then you should vote differently because the people we vote for are the people who've been doing that for 50 years. Anyway, there is a reality that people have tried to justify slavery in all kinds of ways. And that is wrong. But that's not something that's being said here. What's being said here is that black people were resilient in the face of racism, slavery, Jim Crow, other uh, events of uh, Ku Klux Klan and other things in our history that have been horrific. And that's a positive thing. That's an important part of the history that I think everybody needs to know and celebrate together as Americans. I think that's an important thing. And as the church, we need to recognize that there have been tremendous injustices in our country. And at the same time, the church, while in some cases have been the ones committing those injustices, they've also been the ones who have corrected them most of the time. And 
this is good. These things are good. But what's being said today in the political world and what we're seeing in the news, what we're seeing in the newspapers is being done to divide us politically. It's being done because Ron DeSantis might very well be the next president or uh, the leader of the Republican side. It's because he has fought against the insertion of some things that people on the left want to do. So if you go through it, and I'll show you some th- things in a minute, but if you go through it, the stuff that was taken out of the curriculum was things that are black queer history, which has more to do with uh, you know critical gender theory and things like that. Those things were removed. And there were things removed from the curriculum that required the the teaching as fact certain things that are uh, opinions, but you can still write papers. So, for example, uh, the idea of uh, the 1619 Project or some other things that have been debunked even by the New York Times and some leftists, you can still write a paper. You can write a term paper and talk about that or reparations or things like that. You can write a term paper. You can read books. Books can be assigned for term papers and things like that, but you can't teach uh, alternate views that can't be cited by by what the College Board says as a first-tier sources. Like you can't take people who are just writing stuff that they can't source and call that history. You can call it opinion and you can write about it and you can teach it as opinion and you can have people write students write papers about it and argue one way or the other and you can't grade them wrong if it's their opinion. You grade them based on their ability to, uh, you know, to, uh, to make an argument. All of that is allowed in Florida's curriculum and the other ones. It's just something that you the the movement for critical theory, especially what we're seeing now with the 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 gender theory and things like that, all of that ties into everything else and drags it all down. That's what was removed by the college board, not actually even removed by uh, Florida. It was it's interesting to me that a couple of months ago in February when this was when this came up, there was a lot of Ron DeSantis taking some credit for uh, getting that out. But uh, the college board came out and said, actually, he had nothing to do with it. We took it out before he ever said anything, which is I find interesting. And then this was DeSantis today talking about it. Well, you should talk to them about it. I mean, I didn't do it and I wasn't involved in it. Um, I think that's really interesting that that's what he had to say. Uh, anyway, 888-528-2557, Pastor Scott Show. Uh, Robert and Rancho Cucamonga, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. I got, I got an observ- I got an observation that I don't think. Uh, well, this is. Let me just say it this way: the um, the uh, slaves who were sold into slavery, brought to America, for the first time in that generation of people who arrived here, heard for the first time the gospel. I mean, many saves, uh, slaves were saved as a result of the gospel, not as a direct result of slavery. It just so happened to relocate them to a place where they got to hear the gospel. So in that sense, not slavery is a good thing, but slavery, uh, God worked through a very ugly system and a very ugly situation to bring good about you know, his sovereign will, which was to save people from all parts of the world. Yeah. So in a way, I see the sovereign hand of God involved, not like he didn't know slavery was going on. You know, he knows everything that's going on, and he allowed it to take place. He saw it taking place, and I think for a good ultimate purpose to those who love him and to the called according to his purpose. So in that sense, slavery brought about some good, or slaves actually got something good out of slavery on that note alone. 
Well, I think, you know, I understand what you're saying, that the, the nuance here, and this is important historically, and what you, I think you have to be careful with, is that slaves could have found Jesus without being slaves. They could have been immigrants. The, the missionaries that were developed over the 1800s would have been sent to Africa and would have taught the gospel, right? We, it's, it is the—you're right that in the sovereignty of God, because of the horrific injustice that we had with that— we actually have clarity that comes from black people about the gospel, about being set free, about a whole lot of stuff. There is good that God did with this evil. But I think right. it's something that's just to be aware of is that if it comes across as slavery was good because, and then insert whatever, that doesn't send a message, I think, that people are trying to send. Right? That's, that's what Kamala is leveraging here. Is the well, idea? I mean, look at the, there's some other. Are you there? Yeah. Uh, so there's some other things that you have to think about, though. I mean, it's it's not like a person is saying slavery was a good thing. You can't you can't come to that conclusion. Oh, therefore, slavery was great, right? Uh, because they they learned some things. You're right. So, some people have yeah, though. That's to, that, it's the to... it's the history though that some people have. So that's something for. For us to be aware of is that some people have made that connection, and that's why it's a sensitive thing. Like they're wrong. I understand. You understand, but but you're right. God has taken this horrible thing, and He has done good things with it. Ron, Robert, I appreciate your call. Thanks for calling the Pastor All Scott right. Show. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. When we come back, I'll share a little bit about from the College Board and some things that are actually they've had to say about it, which I think are good. And uh, I'll take your calls also. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Coming up later on today's show, by the way, Dodger pitcher Clayton Kershaw will be on the show. So we're looking forward to having him join us here in just a little bit. You can learn more about our show by looking at the Pastor Scott Show at KKLA.com or KPRZ.com if you're in San Diego. Plus, uh, although I don't think, Wilbur, are we on TV today or on the streaming not the first hour. The second hour we will. Oh, okay. So you can't see me now, but you can see me in the second hour. We'll get to that, uh, and I'll get to your calls here as the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Well, you should talk to them about it. I mean, I didn't do it, and I wasn't involved in it. Um, but I think um, I think what they're doing is I think that they're probably going to show um, some of the folks that eventually parlayed, uh, you know, being a blacksmith into into doing things later later in life. Um, but the reality is, all of that is rooted in whatever is factual. They listed everything out. And if you have any questions about it, just ask the Department of Education. You can talk about those folks. But, I mean, these were scholars who put that together. It was not anything that was um, that was done politically. That was uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida discussing the controversy about the curriculum and uh, the African-American studies curriculum that was developed a few months ago and was released and ready for this fall. And one of the claims that's being made is that it says that the development of skills like uh, farming or blacksmithing or things like that was a benefit of slavery. 
And uh, it's not what it says. In fact, the African-American writers of that curriculum have come out to say, no, that is not at all what it says. It says that that African-Americans persevered through the horrendous evil of slavery and were able to use those skills in order to find jobs and to make things better as best as they could, even though there were new problems after slavery. And uh, it's important in the conversation we realize is that Africans would have made those uh, develop those skills anyway. So it's not because of slavery that they have those. That's the part you've got to be careful of with the conversation. Uh, the curriculum itself, I think it's important. And when you actually study what's there, I don't think people will get offended unless you are a person who is really pushing for some of the uh, the modern critical thinking that goes into the critical race theory or critical gender theory, the different critical theory areas that insert themselves into not just black history, but every kind of history and even every kind of Subject. You can read about it. Uh, if you want to read the curriculum itself, you go to edweek.org, edweek.org. You can read a lot about uh, that curriculum, what's been inserted, what kinds of things are a part of it. And, you know, there's always going to be some controversy and some people think there should be a little more of this or a little less of this and that kind of scholarly debate. But uh, it is something that probably actually moves forward a lot faster than most other curriculums in the country. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Tony in Sacramento, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor. Um, I was just driving down the highway, and this is an area where I am pretty much an expert in. I grew up on a Portuguese dairy farm as a Christian, been a Christian my whole life. Uh, we actually owned slaves. We brought them over from Portugal. Our last slave just died about five years ago. Where, where did you grow up? Where did you grow up? Sacramento, California. Well, wait a minute. You, you, you didn't have legal slaves. What are you talking about, actually? Describe that. Yes, sir, we did. We, we, had, we had farm workers that we promised them a better life. We would not give them their money. We would not give them their funds. We collected a paycheck on them their entire lives. They never slept with women. No, they were our slaves that we brought over. And um, I knew that it was wrong from a young age, five, ten years old. I was in charge of keeping our slaves, our Portuguese Slaves. Now, did and, you did you call them slaves, or are you just making a comparison between uh, you know? No, they they were slaves. They were beaten. They were mistreated. Uh, God put it on my heart. You know, for sure, and there I are farm it. workers that are mistreated and are stuck in their situation. That is definitely a, a modern problem. No, they were they were slaves. They were issued beatings. I mean, did you I mean, buy was, them? Did you buy them, uh, you know, like chattel slavery? You purchased them, or were they people who came over the border or came over and they were forced, you forced them to work for you? Even worse, yes. We promised them a better life, and then once they got here, we beat them into submission where they had no say. You know, they couldn't, mm. it, it's alpha male syndrome. So you um, however, you said that you uh, you repented of this? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I died seven years ago. I'm a Christian. I God said, you know, many will come in my name, but few will enter. So this whole slavery is a heart condition. 
right? God knows our hearts. And, if you know, I knew it was wrong from a young age at 10 years old. Yeah. It's wrong to own people. You know, when you're bringing a slave that's shivering, you know, sleeping in a cardboard room with 10 blankets and, you know, you're not even giving them the Social Security check and you're just depriving them of, natural resources and you know would you say this is a common a common thing that's happening in uh, california or other places in the united states oh yeah definitely i i i know for a fact you know it's that there's a lot of people that are unable to care for themselves and uh it's up to us to pray a breakaway for these people to, you know, like I said, I was raised as a slave myself, but I've since gone back to college, and it's been a lifelong struggle to now almost finishing three degrees, and I'm one degree from... Well, how did, how did you end up not being a slave? Were, well, you, were you freed, or you just ran away, or you got educated? What happened? I had to run away. You just, you, you have to get away. Sometimes you just got to walk from an entire bloodline and say, Christ, I serve you. I'm going to do what you put on my heart. And that's what makes us Christians, right? It's a heart condition. We have to repent. And we, you know, we can't stay in that mindset. Yeah. It's, would you say, I'm just trying to learn where you're coming from, would you say that what you're describing yeah. is different from the usual uh, criticism that we we understand from how farm workers are abused, or is it the same thing? I'm going to say it's it's the same thing. Well, it, it's the same, because, you know, you promise them, you bring yeah, them it's, over to this country... You pro- you get it, you do it legally. You promise them a better life, but then as soon as they don't do what you say, you beat them into submission, yeah. and, so, and you deprive them of their natural resources. So, Tony, do you do anything so, to advocate for these people now? I do. I do. I you know I recognize when people are oppressed. I report it to local agencies. I. I try to stand, as a Christian, we're supposed to stand up for the weak. I've seen this at universities. I've seen it in colleges. I've seen it in, in workplaces where they, you know, the workers oppress. I mean, I just mm. picked up a load of watermelons down in Arizona at 116-degree heat where these, you know, Mexican migrant workers aren't even given water. Yeah. Hey, Tony, I need, to, I need to move on, but I appreciate you bringing yeah. this up. Uh, I hadn't thought of it in exactly the way that you're describing. You said you're from Portugal? Yeah, well, my background is Portuguese. You know, the, the yeah. Portuguese have a long line of history of trading people and yeah. slavery. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's unfortunately, until that old world mentality dies off faster and, and we pray hard, it's it's always going to be there, you know. Yeah, I and, think people are going to always, uh, you know, find ways to abuse people. Unfortunately, um, but I pray that you're right; it goes away. Tony, thank you for your call and talking with us about that. Man, that is quite a story, and it is another issue, maybe separate 
you know, specifically from what we're talking about today, but that is, uh, there is so much abuse that goes on, and part of it is, you know, people are looking for cheap labor. If you want to know why neither side does anything about the border, really, and the issues that are going on there, uh, this is part of it. Okay, the underside of it is the business, cheap labor, and uh, it's a it's a significant problem. And as Christians, we have to speak out uh, about that. It's a, it's a horrific thing. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. We were talking about the curriculum controversy in the state of Florida. And just, just if you want to go look at it, I said it's, uh, the website is edweek.com. I think you, or .org, I'm sorry, edweek.org. And you can actually read that, uh, curriculum. And, you know, if this is an issue that, as it's in the news right now, is, you know, getting you wound up, and I think there are people who are trying to get you wound up. Go read it. Go read what the the particularly the black professors who wrote this curriculum say, and go read what they did, what they removed, you know, from that caused the controversy a couple months ago. And like I said, this is very political. It's about the presidential race and other things going on. Um, what they removed was subjects like teaching Black Lives Matter as or queer life, black queer life. Uh, and debate over reparations, they downgraded those things to what they called second tier, meaning that you can't teach uh, the things that uh, are saying one thing over another. Like you can't say in the area of debate over reparations as part of your history course that reparations are, are right and it should be this amount or reparations are wrong and should never be done. That is an opinion that's under debate. You can have a paper about it. You can have you can assign a topic where you assign a book and you can say, students, I want you to write a paper pro or con about reparations. And, you know, the purpose of that is to develop your skills, really. Uh, but you can't teach one side or the other as fact, um, as this is right or this is wrong. They see in the the movement that's the leftist movement is to take moral decisions that are moral teachings that are usually different than the whole society is and teach them as this is the way it is, such as forcing people to accept that men can get pregnant or forcing people to accept that men can have a period, right? To teach that as scientific fact is nuts, but that's happening everywhere else. It's this kind of thing is happening in every area of our education system. And that's why we have so many people up in arms about it. But I think when you really look into it, you can figure out that uh, what those things are. And the time is now to speak out against it. And boy, you know, the thing is, is be careful when we when you bring race into it, because like I said, you have to be careful about not recognizing that there is a fact in history that sometimes people have tried to justify slavery by saying, well, it was actually good for these people. That is something that has happened. And that's not what this curriculum says. It is it is false to accuse Florida of doing this. Um, but but be sensitive to the fact that there have been people who have done that. That actually this curriculum uplifts black people and says that black people have persevered through this and other challenges that have happened in this country, and that's good and that should be taught. Um, I think that's an important thing. And refuse to be divided. If you're confused, you know, talk with somebody who is a different race about their feeling about this. Talk with somebody who maybe was Hispanic about the the migrant workers and what they're going through. Uh, take a look at the border from and the issues related to the border 
through the lens of the gospel and through the lens of treating people humanely. There are a lot of issues that under the name of compassion are being ignored. The child slavery one is huge, where we learn that the unaccompanied minors so very often are being essentially given to slave traders, human traffickers. Uh, We know that to be a fact. That is massively a current issue, and it's now. And there's no argument to say, well, this is actually better for them, because uh, even though they might go through that kind of horrific treatment, uh, they get to live in America, and they might grow up to have, you know, new, uh, that, you know, is not it. Uh, Anyway, uh, I thought I should address that. I don't like the divisions that happen over these things, particularly how it affects us uh, in between each other as Christians and as a country, and we have to start saying no to these things. We ought to have leaders who can articulate all of these things. We used to have that. That's something to pray for for our country. All right, I got to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557. Later on the show today, we're going to have Clayton Kershaw, Dodger pitcher, future Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw with us. And uh, we'll have him on uh, later on next hour. This is the Pastor Scott Show Monday edition. The number is 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Just a reminder, uh, Dodger pitcher Clayton Kershaw will be with us in the next segment. You know, I was looking up, uh, you know, his bio and kind of looking at that kind of stuff for that interview. And he was born in 1988. That always takes me back. He was born in 1988. It's a weird thing to remember exactly what you were like and what you were doing in a certain year when somebody else was born. You ever get somebody's driver's license and it says, you know, oh, they're born in 2002. Oh, that's great. Uh, Everybody has that experience later. But I remember 1988 because that was the year of Kirk Gibson's big home run as a, a Dodger. And I think about that often. Actually, it's a funny thing. If you were around and watching that, it's one of the greatest moments in baseball history, that home run. He was injured, and he was uh, not even expected to play. The Dodgers weren't expected to win in that series, and uh, he hits a home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. He can't even run. He's got both knees messed up, and it's a great, great moment. Anyway, for me personally, that moment is I was sitting on my couch in my living room. I was in high school, and uh, I was sitting next to my dad. And my mom was also in the room, and I, and I'm sorry, my sister Sherry, uh, I don't know if she was there or not. <laughs> but I remember it vividly because I was sitting on a couch watching a game with my dad. We didn't watch a lot of sports together. Like, we did a lot of stuff together. But we, didn't, we didn't watch a lot of sports, you know, maybe football on the holidays and uh, World Series. And my parents just weren't always watching sports. I don't really watch that much. Until uh, we get to playoffs and other stuff. I listen on the radio a lot. Anyway, we're watching this game, and I'll never forget sitting there. It's one of my favorite memories with my dad, actually, is we were sitting there and sort of giving some commentary on the game. My mom, I think deep down, is the bigger sports fan. My mom loves the NBA and basketball, and she, she'll get animated about it during the playoffs. It's kind of funny. And, uh, you know, my dad... Uh, we're just watching it, and we're having a conversation about Gibson and whether or not he ought to play, and what you know what's going to happen if he, by having this at bat, you know, ruins his career because he can't walk or anything. We're having those kinds of conversations, 
And then he Gibson hits the home run. And right off the bat, when it hit the bat, I said he hit it out. And then we were silent. And we were silent sitting there on the couch. And my mom was silent. She's just standing up looking at the TV. Once again, I don't know if my sister's there. She's going to listen to this and go, what do you mean? I was there. Anyway, um, and I only have one sister, by the way, and no brothers. Um, my dad has one sister and no brothers. My mom has two sisters and no brothers. And I have one sister and no brothers. I told my sister once when we were kids that uh, she's not really part of our family because she doesn't have any sisters. Uh, she didn't like that very much. And neither did my mom. I got in some trouble for that. Anyway, we're in there and uh, we're watching it, this home run and we're just silent. And the greatest thing, too, was Vin Scully was also silent for 90 seconds. And in that 90 seconds, it just was so long. And getting to watch that moment with my parents, uh, it's just a great memory. And I bring that up uh, really because of some personal a personal thing I want to share with you is my dad is a pastor. He's been a pastor um, since he, he went to Biola and graduated in 62. And then he graduated from Talbot Seminary right here in Southern California, 64, 65. He's been a pastor uh, ever since. Uh, so about 60 years. And he's retiring this Sunday, uh, July 30th. And, uh, you know, that's a long time for anybody in any any role. It's a long time to be in ministry. It's a long time to uh, stick through a lot of challenges and difficulties. And, you know, it's, uh, and uh, in one way, I'm telling you that because if you knew my dad, and maybe you did, he was at a few churches in LA and San Diego. Um, Don Furrow is who he is. And if you want to know, if you want to go to his retirement thing and you know him, um, send me an email at pastorscott at kkla.com, pastorscott at kkla. Com. I'll hook you up with uh, how to connect there. You can send a note or something like that. Uh, I say that because I know that many of you know him. When you're in ministry in one area for that long, people know who you are. Uh, growing up, we couldn't go anywhere without somebody recognizing my dad. Uh, the joke in our family is that whenever the Pope came to town, he scheduled a meeting with my dad. Like Not quite that, but we couldn't go to a Dodger game without him finding somebody. Multiple people. He'd just run into them. And this happened everywhere we went, any place that we ever went, there was just never a time. Now, I kind of have that. I was pastor for 25 years. It's different on the radio because you don't see me, although soon you're going to see me. You can see me uh, starting next hour on KKLA.com. You know, it's a little different, though. Anyway, uh, he's just always been around. My dad has been faithful to the Lord as a pastor through all kinds of different eras, we were talking about racism in the first part of the show, and he has wild stories of racism in the church that he had to deal with right here in L.A. in the 1960s. And, you know, I listen to those stories and the fights that he had to to put up with, with people who didn't want black people to become members in one church. Uh, and uh, he won those fights, by the way, uh, with a lot of people. And, and, and part of the win, by the way, in ministry, it's not to win and defeat some side. It's to win the argument so that the other side repents. You know, the the victory for us as believers is that people repent, is that people come to Christ, is that when people are wrong um, and their point of view or their interpretation of Scripture or their behavior or whatever it is, that they repent, that they change, 
And so often we just divide and uh, I don't like what you're saying, so I'm going to go start another church or, uh, you know, and we do that so often. Sometimes there are things that are just really hard to reconcile with each other and you can, you can, you know, divide in peace and still be friends, but you got to worship in a different place. You know, there's, in our sinfulness, there's, you know, I think God can use that in spite of the fact that it shouldn't be. But so often we lose the idea that people need to repent, that that people need to turn their life to Christ. And when that happens, their life gets better. That when people repent of their racism or their, their uh, you know, fornication or whatever it is that they got to repent of or just, you know, a notion that's not biblical and they repent, their life gets better. The church gets stronger. The ministry gets better. And those people end up uh, to be used by God in tremendous ways. I mean, look at uh, the best example is Paul, formerly Saul in the New Testament and his repentance, um, what that did, how that spread the church everywhere. And, you know, God is waiting to use each one of us. And when we repent of our sin, we find that God uses us in tremendous ways. It humbles us. Part of repentance is to acknowledge that we've got it wrong. And when we are humbled, when we do that, we're much more ready to be used by God. And it is a great thing. My dad has been used for 60 years, and he'll still be used. He doesn't know what he's going to do yet. You know, I asked him, uh, Dad, you know, what are you going to do uh, your first Sunday that you're not preaching, you know, in 60 years? You know, his first thought was, I don't know, I think I'll sleep in. Uh, but then, you know, what he gets to do is uh, his granddaughter, my sister's uh, daughter, Sarah is her name, plays in the church band at another church down uh, not too far from him. And he gets to go see her. That's something he's never been able to do because he's always busy on Sunday. And I think that's great. You know, and, you know, I'm hoping that he ends up teaching Sunday school for uh, some other church that he goes somewhere, something like that. Anyway, uh, Dad, I thank you for everything that you've uh, given me and put into my life. And, you know, one of the things that I've been able to observe, not just as a pastor, but as also as a pastor's son, is the power of repentance and the the joy that it brings to families and to churches when people repent and follow Jesus. When people's, that's where the life change is. That's when you really submit, when you submit to the Lord and you recognize that some of the hardest things, the hardest people you've ever known can be moved to Christ, to following Jesus and have their whole life changed so that it's so recognizable. Those people end up the greatest evangelists too, because people want to know what happened to you. And they say, you know what, I was this way, but now I'm this way, not because I'm smart, but because of Jesus, and I repented. That's something we all can do, and God's ready to use you when you give him your life. All right, next hour, Clayton Kershaw will be back as the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.